are discussing Chamber of Secrets Chapter 3, The Burrow. I'm your host, Madison. And I'm your host, Rebecca. Welcome back. Time for another MySpace Top 8. Ding! Jazz hands. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And do we have some choices this week? Oh, my lanta. Characters in this chapter. It's very exciting. (laughs) They are mostly Weasleys, and that is not a bad thing. That is... Like, great. It's amazing. So excellent. Oh, we have Ron and Fred and George, and Molly and Arthur and Ginny, and uh, the Dursleys are there too. And Hedwig. Yes, and Dobby's mentioned. So you know, Dobby is an honorable mention this week as well. So, um, who? Where do we? Where do we start? Like who? Who gets that number one spot? Is this Ron again? It's definitely Ron. There's some like major bromance moments mm. in this chapter, mm-hmm. and it's got to be Ron. I mean, it's going to be Ron like most of this book, if not all of this book. <laughs> right. Um, but it's definitely Ron in this chapter. <laughs> Until they get the note out of Hermione's hands, then it's going to be <laughs> Ron. Um, uh, oh yeah. All right. So the number one spot's pretty easy for sure. Um, okay. The next I'm torn one between either of um, Fred and George or Hedwig. I will say that since Harry does almost forget Hedwig, it's possible that he would put her up higher as a potential like, "Hey, sorry that I almost left you behind in the prison <laughs> we were in." Um, but I don't know if the MySpace top eight would console Hedwig or not. So. Probably not. <laughs> and to be fair, Fred, Fred and George did actually rescue him. Yes, they did. Hedwig was being rescued with him. So who is it that... Let me see. Um, flipping through my, my book. Uh, so George is technically the one who unlocks Hedwig's cage. So I feel like George could go above Fred if we didn't want to put them in the same category. Um, I'm happy with that. Okay. Fred is my favorite twin, but I'm happy with that. Cool. So Ron, George, and then Fred. Um, and then maybe Hedwig. Okay. I think Hedwig. Yeah. Again, it's like your dog or your cat. They're always going to be up there. Yeah. Um... So okay. that leaves us with Molly, Arthur, Ginny, the Dursleys, and Dobby. I don't think we get a lot of like Dobby appreciation necessarily in this <laughs> chapter. True. Um, um, I'm gonna go with Arthur. Okay. I think Molly's great. I think that the kids, though, they're like Arthur comes in and he's like the cool dad of like yeah. you know. Yes. How was it? Like, how was your trip? <laughs> And then Molly's just like, I mean, Molly's cool, but she's the mom and yeah. their kids. So she is like, terrifying as a saber toothed tiger in these moments. So, yeah, you know. she's still great. She's still definitely on the list. But I think Arthur, Arthur first. I see that. I agree with that. Um, and I think that Ginny would probably come after Arthur and Molly just because we don't really see her very much. Um, yeah. She just, she's just kind of hiding. Yeah. Lurking. <laughs> um, but she's still a Weasley, so she automatically makes it up there into the top. Yes. For sure. Um, 
So then the question becomes, who is number eight? Hmm. You know, as much as we don't necessarily appreciate Dobby here, I think we definitely still appreciate him more than the Dursleys, right? <laughs> yeah. Like. Yeah. <laughs> We were getting suspicious, like, what if Dobby was sent by the Malfoys to, like, play a prank on Harry to come back from school? Um, you know, that's still better than pretty much anything that the Dursleys ever did to Harry. So. Yeah. I think, um, I appreciate the gnomes, but, um, they did bite Harry, so I don't mm. think that they're necessarily on the list either. He would follow their page, but. For sure. He wouldn't, he probably wouldn't put them in the top eight unless, you know, love bloomed. I don't know. <laughs> um, cool. So. Okay. I think we're kind of torn on that last spot, but I think maybe we could just do a top seven. Yeah. Uh, you know. It'll be a. Weren't there. We could put Hermione. Hermione's just going to be all in there anyway because, you know, he can't kick her off, right? No. Keep her in as number eight. She she knows she's away right now. She's not close to Harry. It's okay that she's not number two or number one. Yeah. So, Ron. Honorable mention. George. <laughs> we got uh, Ron, George, Fred, Arthur. Or Ron, George, Fred, Hedwig, Arthur, mm-hmm. Molly, Ginny, Hermione. Perfect. Sweet. <laughs> All right. That MySpace top eight of Harry's escape from the Dursleys and then his first first day at the borough, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. That's a this is a great chapter with much to squee over and be happy for our Patronus fuel. Yes. Um, it's about time. Yeah. It's this is what we've been waiting for. It's like, you have to include the the stuff we were finishing the last book with, too, and then you start in the misery of the Thursleys. Yeah, it's oh. just, it's rough. Mm-hmm. So we're here now. <laughs> we're here, and we were, before we started recording, we were mentioning, like, the presence of Fred and George Weasley seems to play a major role in, like, ah, yes, this makes us happy. <laughs> um, yeah. So start off with Fred and George getting in there using muggle tricks and shenanigans to pick the lock manually without magic. Like, that is... It just... That's dedication to the art of mischief. I don't know many, like, actual people who know... not Okay, not that they're not people, but... (laughs) (laughs) Um, Real life people. (laughs) Yes, I don't know many people in my real life who know how to actually pick a lock. Um, I can. Good. (laughs) <laughs> good not like a sturdy one but like a cheaper one mm-hmm. definitely cool definitely had to do it at work at two different jobs Ooh. actually <laughs> it's an important life skill and i got in trouble one time but i was like y'all are the ones who didn't want to bring me the key uh yeah it sounds like a you problem <laughs> fred and george are great and they have special skills. Do an escape room with fred and george oh my gosh <laughs> Even if we didn't get out, which we probably would, it would still just be so fun. I would definitely get out. I'm a pro at escape rooms. I've never done one before. I have. I go really hard. Good. <laughs> like, I want to do one when this is all over. Except not one of those ones where there's like... I read there was one where like there's somebody 
like who is a zombie and they're like chained and every like five minutes the chain gets a foot longer and they can get closer to you i don't know i'm not about that no 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 no. i want to be a scientist studying birds or something not yeah i don't like the i don't like the idea of the ones where there's somebody in the room with you Mm -mm. we'll take fred and george to an escape room and they can lockpick their way out of it for us hell yeah Another thing I really liked in this was all of the, like, domestic household magic that's just happening at the Weasleys all the time. Like, the scrubby dishes, the radio, the knitting. Like, I I don't want to be a housewife, but I want to be a magical housewife like this. Like, this is the only context where I just, that's what I want. The aesthetic. Agreed. The, The everything. I agree. I'm going to be a magical housewife. Yeah. I want magical knitting. Because <laughs> that shit's hard. <laughs> it is. <laughs> so plenty of plenty of fuel. That's that's just like barely any of what the fuel is. Those are just a, a few tidbits because how it's hard to choose when the whole chapter makes you have warm, fuzzy feelings. Hedwig. Okay. So Hedwig has like... I mean, we already know that the owls are, like, very sentient in this series yes. because they can just, like, magically know where they're going with these letters and, like, magically know, like, if they were given enough money to, like, give away the daily profit and stuff like that. <laughs> so, like, they're very aware. <laughs> but still, it's, like, fun to see Hedwig having these moments yeah. where she just, like, totally knows what's going on and stuff. It's very cool. It's very, like, witches familiar kind of thing, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which I love. Um, so anyway, whenever, um, Harry's getting broken out of the Dursley's house, uh, it's acknowledged that she's being quiet and that she must know that this is important because she's not making a sound. Um, and then Harry gets in the car with his stuff and they start turning around and she screeches so loud that it immediately wakes up, um, Vernon. (laughs) And then Harry's just like, oh gosh, I forgot. (laughs) I forgot Hedwig. Harry! And... (laughs) I love that she's just like, there is no way you're leaving without me. <laughs> like, if you think you're going to leave me here, you're not going anywhere. <laughs> Absolutely she's not. like, I don't <laughs> This isn't happening. So, she knew that, like, being quiet was important because it would make up, wake up the Vernons. That does, the Dursleys, the Vernons. Wake up the Vernons. Um, All of them. <laughs> <laughs> the army of Vernons. Oh, no. <laughs> um, so she knew it was important, but she was just like, it is more important that I am not left here. Yes. <laughs> Which is a wonderful moon. It's so, it's so cute. Like, cause it's, it, it just feels like a really real animal moment where they're like, I ha- okay. Yeah. One time I was driving to Florida to see family with my family, um, it was a very difficult road trip because, like, three of us had the flu and mm. were throwing up on the side of the road because that's, you know, road trips with children. Love them. <laughs> and so we had to stop at a hotel. Usually we can do the drive in one day. Um, but we were like, okay, we just we need to take a break and do the rest of this drive tomorrow. But the only hotel that we could get to did not allow dogs. And we had our one very well-behaved dog. And we were like, okay, 
that we this is the only place that we can stay on short notice and afford to sleep six people um and not be in like somewhere that is scary Mm -hmm. so (laughs) we wrapped snickers up in a blanket like completely swaddled her in a blanket and my mom held her like she was a baby and snickers (laughs) had that moment where she knew she was like okay I, I, I need to be quiet. She was, you know, she was part schnauzer. So she's always barking, always letting everyone know where she is, what's going on. She stayed dead silent, completely silent. <laughs> we all got in the elevator with our bags and we were like, okay, we're going to make it up. And then <laughs> the elevator stopped before we got to our floor and the manager got on with us and we all looked at each other and we were just like and like holding her breath and my mom like holds up snickers and is just like you know kind of rocking her and puts one finger over her mouth like baby's sleeping and the manager's like oh yeah yeah okay and stays quiet <laughs> and he got off on the next floor and the door shut and we were just like ah <laughs> how did we get through that <laughs> And she was great. Uh, she didn't poop on the floor. She didn't pee. She didn't do anything. <laughs> like, <laughs> so, but we did it. We made it. And that just reminded me of Hedwig in this moment and how if we'd left Snickers behind in the elevator. She would have given a Hedwig <laughs> screech of, after all I've done for you, you would leave me behind. You would forget me. <laughs> so. It's actually really funny because I, um, work at a hotel Mm -hmm. and a couple days ago i was walking past the hallway where the elevators are and i just saw a man picking up a crate that had two bunnies in it Uh, and then just walking onto the elevator (laughs) and i just like stood there (laughs) and he didn't even look around or anything he just went right on and i was like i don't think this is any of my business Oh, my manager came back around. I was like, should I tell her? Like, do we know if there's anybody with bunnies on the fourth floor? And I was like, you know what? It's probably fine. Yeah. Yeah. They're not going to do anything. They're in a crate. They're fine. They're fine. So, yeah, there's bunnies in my hotel. Well, the bunnies are adorable. So, I think it's a win. (laughs) I told my driver. He's the only one who knows because he's not going to tell anyone because he feeds the rabbits that are outside. (laughs) And uh, we're just both like, nope. Yep, that's that's his business. Not not we're not snitching. No. If he's got his bunnies in here, I don't need to know. Yeah, I'm only sad that I didn't get a pet. <laughs> right? <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Uh, so beautiful context wrapped around this amazing story of Hedwig. <laughs> Love Hedwig. Yeah, she's such a just good pure character. I yeah, I agree. We need more pets. Like, yeah. featured. And, I mean, that's going to happen in the next couple books, but... I'm so excited for Crookshanks. Yes! And Pig Witchin. Aww. Love Pig. <laughs> um, okay. Other other Patronus fuel. I actually have more than one this week, which is very exciting. Yes! <laughs> Happiness! Joy! Uh, <laughs> um, so we get, obviously, Ron is rescuing Harry, which is super good and cute and pure, um, and then in the end of the chapter, Ron is like looking at Harry, like basically for approval of his room and everything. And she's like, it's, you know, it's not much. It's just, it's pretty small and everything. And Harry's just like, this is the best house I've ever been in. Mm-hmm. And it's so cute. And it's exactly what like Ron needed to hear. And it, 
it's like right after like Ron is like rescuing Harry, so they're just such good friends for each other, and it makes me so happy. Mm. It's like any insecurity that Ron may have had that like Harry was not responding to him because he had changed his mind and thought he was yeah. a bad friend and a blood traitor. Like Harry knows exactly what to say to. And I don't know that he's doing it on purpose, but he says exactly what he needs to kind of erase those fears from Ron so that Ron knows, like, he is appreciated for who he is and who his family is. Yeah. Ugh. So good. It's so sweet. And there, there are so many little moments where you see how much Ron cares about Harry. And, like, we know that Harry cares about Ron because we're in his head. But, like how how concerned he is and how much he pushes Harry to know like what's been going on because he you know he cares about him and he feels left out and scared for him that he hasn't known what's been going on for the past like six weeks it's uh, mm-hmm. it's a wonderful friendship it is I think it like especially because like in movies and TV and stuff you don't get a lot of like really good guy friendships yeah like it's like more of like a bromance thing where it's kind of like goofy and whatnot but you don't get as much like just genuine friendship between boys mm-hmm. and so it's just it's good to see yeah mm, it's precious it's cute now we gotta move into something we don't like <laughs> um, which is sad this chapter because like we finally have a chapter with lots of good so it's kind of sad to talk about the not great stuff and it's more like just about the context of this piece in the rest of the series yeah it's like mrs weasley is described as a short plump kind-faced woman and nothing demeaning or derogatory is said about her size which is um which is good i mean Mm -hmm. you know that's what we want it's the bare minimum but um (laughs) But this shows us that the author knows how to point out that characters are fat without ridiculing them. So we're just picking and choosing who we decide to, like, ridicule for their size. And it's, like, it's just so shitty. I think also even just the, like, kind face, it's still, like, pulling a personality trait from appearance, which is strange. Mm -hmm. Because, like, I mean, you can kind face is like a little of a stretch there because like that's you can be you can look nice right but it's still like i feel like she relies a lot on physical descriptions to explain personalities and you can look any sort of way and have any sort of personality and those two things are never going to like combine with each other yeah like the way that you look and the way that you act and like your personality and everything those don't have anything to do with each other you can't know looking at somebody if they're nice or not. Yeah. Because they could be tricking you. Yes. <laughs> Obviously, Miss Weasley is not, and she's great and wonderful, and we love her. <laughs> right. But it's just, um, it def- it yeah, it brings back to, um, like, the way that the Dursleys are presented of, um, like, <laughs> they're next. Yeah, they're next. And their weight just being part of, like, who they are and just taking, like, these stereotypes of... Um, you know, Petunia is like thin, so she's not a good mother. Yeah, which is <laughs> bizarre. <laughs> and um, and like yeah, like you said, like with um, 
with Vernon, it's not like he was like plump and stuff. It was like he was his neck was too like he was necklace and all this stuff. And just these like very negative ways of describing the way he looked. Yeah. Just because he was mean. And there's so many negative things about um, Vernon, and we talked about it in, like, the first episode, I think, Mm -hmm. where just our very, very first introduction of Vernon is that he's just being this horrible person at work, and he's just having fun being an asshole. And that is already enough to, like, dislike the character. Mm -hmm. Like, he's not a good guy, and you see that with his whole day. And then... So the need to kind of bring his weight into the portrayal of him is so unnecessary that it it feels like it's intentional to go out and do it. Yeah. It's like I've seen on on Twitter because Twitter and social media are toxic, but <laughs> um well, like while Mr. Trump was president, um he like people would make fun of his size and like his you know like if he had like a health condition or something like that and like there are so many things to dig at mr trump for that so many that have nothing to do with his size or like his ability because every single time you say something like that even about somebody who is terrible everybody who hears that and who you know if they are fat or if they are disabled like that hurts those people and Mm -hmm. like it's just if it's never a good reason it's it's always a terrible reason to ridicule somebody and if somebody is bad enough you'll have something else you can ridicule them for and if you can't ridicule them for something other than like part of their identity maybe you don't need to ridicule them maybe just yeah throwing that out there (laughs) <laughs> if yeah i mean like if if all you can come up with to make fun of somebody is the way that they look or um some sort of illness that they have or something like that then you really shouldn't be making fun of them mm-hmm. like if there are not better reasons to make fun of them like trump there's a lot of better reasons to make fun of him. yes like he told people to drink bleach like there's he just there's so a many- solar eclipse <laughs> He looked into a solar eclipse. <laughs> like, there's so many things that you can make fun of him for that are not, you know, about the way he looks. Because mm-hmm. it's not like, like, it's not like, he, you know, he wasn't educated. It's not like he came from a background where he doesn't know any better. He was educated. Yeah. He knows better. He has all of these resources. He has people standing there telling him that he is wrong. And he has, like, advisors and everything. Or had, past tense, thank God. Um... But, like, so there's different situations with that. Because, like, you, if someone has all these privileges and they're still fucking up, then, like, you've got a whole list of reasons to make fun of them. There's no reason to bring weight into things ever mm-hmm. at all. And there's no reason to bring any other ableist language or any other ist language yeah. <laughs> into the matter. Yeah. There's, I I forget where I heard it, but I think it was it was online somewhere where... I saw somebody say, once you start removing, like, derogatory, demeaning language that, like, is meant to hurt somebody's identity, um, it becomes a lot harder to, like, insult somebody, and that you have to be more nuanced and subtle, and that, 
while on the one hand it's kind of like oh, but i want something like good and nasty to say about somebody but you know if it becomes harder to and you have to think more critically about how you're you know saying something cruel about somebody that's probably a good thing <laughs> yeah it shouldn't be easy to be mean to people no you should have to think a little bit you know put some work yeah. into the joke yeah or just like yell because that's or great just, comedy yeah or also just don't make <laughs> always an option vernon's a a purple cucumber and we don't like him so <laughs> Uh, let's go seems accurate let's go to Agiofan. I don't want to talk about Vernon anymore this chapter makes me happy and I don't want to be angry <laughs> sounds good um, so because this chapter is so nice we were like what do we want to fix in this chapter nothing really we like everything that happens um, yeah so we just found some really great fan art of the Weasleys and Harry in the flying car um, it's by uh, let me see if I can read this name. B B and it is the name on DeviantArt. Um, <laughs> it's available as a print, but it's just it's just very cute. You got this twins. You got Hedwig in the cage and Harry and Ron. Ron looks like he's about to vomit because he's carsick in the back. <laughs> and I people are so creative and wonderful and. George's face is like elated as he is <laughs> taking this car on a joyride across the English countryside. <laughs> you just know that like they've always wanted to take that car. Yes. Like I'm surprised that it's the first time that they've taken this car. Right? <sighs> it makes you think like the non-magic equivalent of this is like a two 14 year olds and a 12 year old steer stealing their parents car and driving it a couple hours across the state let's talk about social justice um so surprisingly here there are even some like fun aspects of social justice um which is rare it's very rare <laughs> usually we have a lot of negatives here and today i want to talk about the fact that i really like that the misuse of Muggle Artifacts Office seems actually concerned with, like, protecting the uh, the Muggles. Muggles. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it just, like, somebody taking care of somebody who's vulnerable is very unusual in the Harry Potter world. That's so sad, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Um, it's, it's very, very rare that Muggles are even, like, considered mm -hmm. in stuff other than like obviously trying to hide stuff from them right um and i think that like a main point of it is to keep you know obviously if we're harassing muggles all the time then it's gonna be hard to keep everything a secret from them <laughs> right. but um at least arthur here genuinely does care about muggles and he does genuinely does care about protecting them yeah so that's super sweet to see mm. and it feels like, I don't know, like, I feel like Arthur's character was constructed in a really, truly thoughtful way and wasn't, like, he doesn't just mm -hmm. feel like a trope like some of the other characters do sometimes. Yeah, he's very, he's definitely very unique in the series. There's not a lot of other people who have similar thinking to him. Yeah. Um, I think Hermione probably is the only other one, but, like, she's raised by Muggles, so of course she's got... <laughs> 
like a little more compassion right. for them. Uh, so I like that. I, I like the like that. There are obviously very selfish reasons why they do this, and um, also it's not perfect. But I still, I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm it's still it's good. Yeah, I'm looking at the bright side today. What is this? It's Mercury retrograde. That's probably why. Backwards. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's just a good whole department. Yeah. And it's not, you know, the most funded department and it's not the most respected department, (laughs) but it exists and that is a good step. Mm -hmm. And we're, we're in a mood to give credit today. (laughs) So let's, let's ride this wave before we, before something happens. (laughs) I mean, I think we're immediately going to more negative things. <laughs> which is the gnomes? Which I mean, to be fair, I think we're we see both sides of the gnomes right. a little bit. So, on one hand, the gnomes are a, a pest, technically. Right. Um, they are probably disrupting the garden. They're probably disrupting the food in it, and that's not great. But like, the gnomes seem to be pretty autonomous. They seem to have you know, not the best sense of things, but they have some awareness of what's going on and they're, you know, they're beyond like worms or something (laughs) as far as like their awareness of the world. And so it's kind of, it's kind of upsetting to be throwing them 50 feet. Totally. Um, But it, it is said, whether it's true or not, um, it is said that it doesn't hurt them. Right, and and that Arthur likes them so much that like he's just too soft on them, so they probably always come back because he's probably always given them food scraps or something. Like, yeah, and then Harry literally does see them all coming back immediately <laughs> after. So it's uh... so they're they're probably fine, but it's still like just another little creature that we're the flinging, throwing away. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's a little upsetting it is so you know that i i would like to propose the um halt of eviction of gnomes from their garden and instead building them a quaint little gnome mansion hut situation with some Mm -hmm. you know i'm sure there are special plants that they like if they like to dig then you can make it really deep but it can have like a limit so they can't just like destroy all the roots of the plants there's there's a humane way. They should have their own little town, like a yes. like Smurfs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you see, and part of the problem is that they're following Gilderoy Lockhart's pest control book, which I just I don't trust that his book is going to give the best advice, even if it is just stolen from somebody else. Because you know what else is new? Um, <laughs> you know, there's I'm sure somewhere there's a Magizoolog. Newt's commander would be able to tell me what to do, or Hagrid, you know. Honestly, I bet um, Sprout, too. Yeah. Abs- oh, I bet Sprout she would know, because <laughs> gotta protect the garden. Garden. Yeah. Besides gnomes, we also have a little commentary on house elves. Um, yes. It's- so this is an actual negative mm-hmm. in this chapter. Yes. We don't have a lot of, like, legitimate negatives, but this one's, like, um, yucky. It is. Um, so whenever Harry's first talking about Dobby to Fred and George and Ron, then 
oh, who is it, Fred, that says mm-hmm. that um, their mom has always wanted a house elf. <laughs> which, and they're like, but they don't, they only come with old houses. And they're like, basically idolizing and saying that, like, we're not cool enough to have a house mm-hmm. elf or something like that. And it's, like, very upsetting because like, why would you want one? Yeah. Don't. Especially because we see, like, all of this, like, magical housework being done without a house elf. So it's clearly not necessary. Yeah. I mean, would it be nice to have someone to help out when you have a million kids running all over the place and, like, flying off to you know, all across England. Yeah, it'd be great to have somebody else to help out. But that person does not need to be a servant. <laughs> no. Like, uh, there's just... Romanticizing slavery is just never a good look. Yeah. It really, really, really isn't. It feels like... Let's just not... Let's not make it seem like, ooh... For, like, oh, that's so cool. Yeah. No. Let's... No, no house elves. No, like... Uh, no nothing yeah especially like you can literally use magic to do your dishes i know like who needs help with that you can just magic everything it still takes time but you just get to watch disembodied objects do the work for you that's that's awesome way cooler first of all (laughs) right (laughs) and it doesn't involve, like, a little creature who is just, like, beating themselves up to help mm-hmm. you. Like, that sounds just sad, first of all. <laughs> and just, what? I can't imagine wanting that. Mm. And everyone's just like, oh, they're just pathetic little creatures. I'm like, then why are you making them do chores for you? It's like, it's the difference between... As I, was, I don't remember what I was reading. Maybe it was something to do with Bridgerton, where... They were talking about how when you had, like, a large household back before, you know, like, a lot of modern inventions, you did need a lot of help in sometimes mm-hmm. to run a household because, like, For sure. it, it took more work to, you know, light the lanterns or to mop the floors or whatever. Everything had more steps. But, you know, those people are being paid um, and are not being enslaved. Yes. And there's nothing... It's hard because there's nothing wrong with like domestic work or even hiring somebody to do domestic type work as long as you're not being mm-hmm. gross about it. Um, yeah. But like, this is this is literal slavery. Yeah. Let's. Well, because the thing is, like, just to say like she's always wanted a house elf. That's different than saying she's always like wanted like a housekeeper to come in and help her out or yeah, something like that. Absolutely. So. I mean, obviously, they didn't have a lot of money. They couldn't really afford to, like, hire people to do a lot of stuff for them. Um, But to say that she's always wanted a house elf and not... Because it doesn't have to be that you could afford it. You don't have to idolize things that you can afford. It's... It's so weird. I just don't get why that would be what she wants. Me neither. Like... It just... I think it just shows how ingrained it is into wizarding society mm-hmm. that a house elf is a status symbol and not just a yeah like somebody who you hire to help you out around the house you know what she could have done that would have been so much better than house elves what? is um brownies yes yeah because those are like house spirits basically mm-hmm. 
and you like leave out um, some sort of offering for them and they do chores for you. So yeah, they don't feel like they're owned or like they owe the people of the house anything. Um, it's just that they do it in exchange for some sort of offering. And if they ever feel like insulted or if they ever feel like you're like taking advantage of them, then they can get all like mischievous and pull pranks and things. Mm. Um, or they can get literally angry and be like boggards or something. Um, so it's a much more like ethical version yeah. of a house elf, basically. It gives, um, they have more control over their own um, selves, basically. They have their own kind of um, abilities and they can use um, their abilities however they want to. And they want to do household chores, but they want to do it in exchange for something. And if you piss them off, then they're going to piss <laughs> you off right back. Well, like, um, it yeah. feels really close to that, too. And it almost feels like a distortion of that kind of creature yeah well the other thing is that um the whole giving them clothes thing that does stem from like brownies mm-hmm. basically is that they would get insulted basically if you gave them clothes and then they would refuse to work for you after that which is different obviously Why ruin a perfectly um, good metaphor and piece of magic to like yeah to make it worse just talk about people who are really disenfranchised and don't like put weird tropes on distorted magical creatures yeah uh, i don't get it i i think she took something that was really good and she just made it worse mm-hmm. and I, I don't get yeah. it <sighs> i'm not surprised but <laughs> oh yeah that's our that's probably the stinkiest thing in this yeah chapter. i was torn between that for um enchantingly nasty or social justice but i feel like it really fits more into social justice just with the rights that they should have and that they're not given i just i still can't understand why she would create these creatures (laughs) and it's gonna get uh it gets more complicated it it does because it you get more ingrained into how they're ingrained like in wizarding society and yeah so you start having to like work with the assumptions that the wizards are making and then question Mm -hmm. those assumptions but then question why the story even has them in the first place at the same time yeah Ugh. Ugh. so so let's get some chocolate this is yes not because the chocolate i feel like the mental health care related stuff in this is more just like I don't know. I feel like I have constructive criticism for how things could have been better and I'm not just like oh, woe is Harry. Which is usually (laughs) how it feels. Yeah, that's fair. Like, I love the contrast you see in Harry. Like, how he just, it's like he just has this glow up inside when he's in this warm, (laughs) like, messy, cluttered, cute, homey, burrow, like, you know, ragtag put together house versus the like cookie cutter, overly clean to the point of being sterile home that he's lived in with the Dursleys. And like, this is where Harry gets to grow. He's like part of the garden here. Yeah. Oh, he's a plant. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. 
I just, I love that. And it, it sets the backdrop for like, like no family is perfect and no parent is perfect, but I feel like Molly and Arthur are examples of like the average, you know, like the, an average, like decent parent. Yeah. That just, they're really, yeah. they're really good. I think like there's no perfect parent. And if there was, and I think it wouldn't just, it wouldn't feel realistic. Um, but they are like as close as you can get without it just being weird. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I'm sure there's going to be more that we see with them as we move through that we're like, mm, maybe that was a bad choice. But like, I feel like a lot of <laughs> the only thing I had trouble with Miss Weasley here was stuff that really it wasn't entirely her fault because it has to do with responsibility being put on her. That's not her responsibility, which is what you kind mm. of talk about. <laughs> um, yeah. So <sighs> again, this is something that I think we've talked about before. <laughs> right. But it's still relevant. Um, the whole idea of Harry needing to be not even like literally just kidnapped from the place that he is living um in order to be safe is horrifying (laughs) um like it i I don't get it um if anybody had been paying attention to harry and clearly they were paying enough attention to know that he was like there was magic going on Mm -hmm. in his house but if they had actually been watching him like beyond just like knowing that hey that wasn't him doing that magic. <laughs> that was a house elf who was breaking into his house and has also been stealing his mm-hmm. mail. Like, if anybody had been paying attention to this child, who was only here because it's supposed to be a safe place for him. But, like, the I, uh, that also means that the only protection that Dumbledore gave him is the idea of his mother's magic yeah. there. And he's just relying on the Dursleys. He's not watching them. He's not paying attention to what they're doing. He's not paying attention to how Harry's, like, processing things. There's absolutely no sense of, um, like, watching out for him. Mm -hmm. Which, especially this year, after he knows he's a wizard, he knows he can do magic, he knows that the person who killed his parents and tried to kill him is still, like, out there and he knows that he just, like, killed a professor. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All of these things are wonderful reasons to keep an eye on a child and beyond that, check in on them. Mm-hmm. And if he is not responding to mail, if he's not responding to his friends, if he, like, first of all, Dumbledore should have been reaching out directly. Yeah. But he also should have had other people reaching out. None of these people have put any sort of effort into making sure that Harry has an open line of communication with people who can protect him. And so Harry is literally being starved to death. And you see, like, in this chapter that Molly um, gets a little quieter after, um, I think it's George says that, like, well, they were starving him. And she's just like, be quiet. But at the same time, she, like, turns to Harry and she, like, puts more effort into feeding him because she's really, really concerned about him. So... He, it's obviously a situation that they understand is bad, and the Weasleys all understand it's bad. So why couldn't the government and Dumbledore understand that Harry needed help? Yeah, 
why did he have to be literally kidnapped from his house in order to get a good meal? Because Dumbledore is the brightest wizard of all time. <laughs> is why. Or something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dumbledore's too busy hiring Lockhart to work at the school. <laughs> seriously, failing at everything right now. Like, I'm just yeah. so busy. Like, no. No, you're not. No, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> not too busy for this. <laughs> seriously, there's... Oh, he's so frustrating. And because of, like, because he takes no responsibility and basically just, like, throws, it's like he's throwing something out into the void, hoping it works. He's like, okay, seems to be working still. Things are just working themselves out. I'll just rely on the, like, kind-heartedness of other people to make sure that this kid doesn't end up too broken by the time I need him. Yeah, and he's relying on the Dursleys, who he's never even met. Mm-hmm. He left a letter for them one time, yep. and he is relying on that to keep this whole ass child <laughs> safe. <laughs> like, he is so complicit in Harry's abuse that it is just so horrifying mm-hmm. how much Harry idolizes Dumbledore. Yeah. And everyone else idolizes Dumbledore. And they think that he is just the greatest person. They want him to be the minister of magic. They want him to be in charge of everything. They respect him. But he doesn't care about kids. Mm-mm. And he runs a school. <laughs> and I think the worst part of it is that, like, Rita Skeeter is the only one who gets it right. Yeah. Which is horrifying. Yeah. Like, throughout the books, everybody defends Dumbledore. Even when Harry starts to doubt Dumbledore... And even when he goes to Aberforth and learns, like, oh, yeah, like, this fucked up stuff about Dumbledore is actually true. He's mm-hmm. still, like, the lesson we as the reader are supposed to learn is, like, yeah, Dumbledore was flawed, but he was kind of scared, but he still loved Harry. Like, no. No, 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 no. <laughs> no. <laughs> he doesn't get to get away with this. No. So... Thankfully, we have dear Molly Weasley, who is here to help Harry, and I, like, and that's why this is just a constructive criticism, because, like, she's just been landed with poor Harry, and she's terrified because her kids left the house in the middle of the night, stole the car, didn't leave a note, and in a moment, I wish she had been able to, like, have some more presence of mind and react calmly. She understandably loses her temper and yells at them <laughs> it's still you know it's it's still kind of funny because you I, I just see julie walters like but you know um if i if i were a parent i would hope in that situation to be able to react in a way that like still let them know what they did was not cool and that they should never do it again um but you know i just don't want her to yell at the kids <laughs> because it makes me sad um yeah. But that's a. I'm not a parent, so, you know, there are limitations to my. Uh, <laughs> how I can contribute to this conversation. I'm so mad about Dumbledore. Now. Right. <laughs> Finding a way to blame Dumbledore for anything and everything. It's what we now, do. Everything's his fault. It's not hard. No, it's really not. It's. I mean, it is his fault. I like how this is our, our chocolate section and it's gotten the most sad of any of the other sections. 
Let's let's go into the pensive. That's that's happy stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, part of that is like the Dumbledore stuff is like the contextual stuff. This actual chapter it like is. was so yeah. heartwarming and lovely to read, and it really felt like stepping out of the prologue of the Potter series and into the proper story. Agreed. Mm. That's like exactly what mine was. <laughs> It's like it's it's a, it's our first like real look into what the wizarding world feels yeah. like. Um and even like aside from like book 1, it's like our first look at like life after Hogwarts, like what it's like to live in a magical household. Mm-hmm. And that's just like it's new and that's fun and then it's also just like coming right after the Dursley abuse, which is just the the contrast is so warm and nice and good yeah Mm, it's so i don't know like harry talks about hogwarts like it's his home and it's where he feels most at home but i i just i feel like that's what he thinks but then as an outsider when you're looking at him he feels like a part of the weasley family just being there that first Mm day yeah and i think it's um throughout the series it's pretty apparent that that is the most um it's the closest to having a home that he's had in a while because being at hogwarts i think it's it's great for him but it's still it's not a home you know he's being he's in mortal danger like (laughs) more than half of the time there are people dying he's like stressed all the time being at the borough it's just that's more of a home feeling when you're reading yeah, it. Absolutely. That's, it makes me think of sort of this point in the book, next next book, um, like, you know, chapters five or whatever in Prisoner of Azkaban, where it, going to Diagon Alley and the Weasleys are there, that almost feels like a family vacation. Uh, I just, um, I wish that the book started with this chapter. Mm-hmm. How much happier of a book <laughs> would it be if you could just start with this? Like, three paragraphs in, and then you get to that point where it's like, someone was staring at Harry through his window. It was Ron! Yeah. Ugh. How great. Or, like, even if we just started with, like, the last chapter, I guess, mm-hmm. of, like, Dobby and everything. Yeah. I just, I, I know it's trying to just, like, bring us through Harry's ear, but I don't care about the Dursleys. No. no. And we never get any, like, we get, like, little glimpses at, like, um, at the end of trying to wrap up his relationships with the Dursley family. But nothing, like, important, really. Nothing, like, solid. Mm-hmm. It's all just kind of thrown in there. So just, like, if we didn't have it... Yeah. We would be fine. <laughs> there are very few points where, like, uh, it, it, you know what? It's it's just because it's like, I feel like we get this really heavy stuff at the Dursleys' house every the beginning of every single book, but there's no meaningful conversation or like internal resolution that Harry ever gets to have about these experiences at the Dursleys, like. 
Yeah. You just have this horrible stuff. Oh, but now the horrible stuff's gone. And now we're going to Hogwarts. Thank gosh. Those people have no necks. Ha 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 ha. Let's fly away. <laughs> and I, I think that if Harry was actively dealing with the psychological effects of this neglect and abuse during the books, then it would at least serve more of a purpose. But yeah. it just feels like... And now we must return to the pit of horrors every time <laughs> but do we have to doesn't seem like it because we don't ever fucking talk about them except <laughs> when we're there so <sighs> yeah it's just it's all unnecessary and i think that if that was the only um conflict that he had in his mm -hmm. life then i could see why it's in there but he's got a lot of other conflicts yeah. going on like a lot so it's it's not pivotal for no. him, you know. It's not like he would change for his other because he's already got the fact that he's an orphan. Mm. Like he's already got the shitty childhood right there. That's all yep. he needs. Um, even if he had had perfectly average um, guardians, then you know he would still be in, in a similar place. He just would be. Not as abused. <laughs> yeah. Because it's not like he, he acts like a kid who's abused. That's not, like, part of his storyline. He actually responds really well to the way he was raised. Mm -hmm. And he's able to, like, form friendships and relationships and things. All things that are should be very difficult mm -hmm. for him seem to come really easy yeah. to him. So the whole, you know, plot line of he's an abused kid is just really thrown in there and not important to his character arc. yeah in a lot of ways it's it's just this kind of extra horror that he has to go through that uh, mm -hmm. i mean we talk about how his parents were killed by voldemort ceaselessly which yeah. understandably but also this what he's going through is significant yeah so i propose that Every book instead starts at the burrow. Harry never returns to the Dursleys. And we just get way more screen time with Fred and George and Ginny and Molly. And then maybe we'll get to see Bill and Charlie more too. Because that'd be a bonus. Thank you everybody for listening. You can join us next week to discuss Chapter 4 at Flourish and Blots. In the meantime, you can follow us on social media, on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok yeah. now. We are Beyond the Veil Pod. And on Twitter, we are Beyond the Veil MN. I can break down a door. Like, <laughs> I can't pick a lock, but you will you will not find a door that I cannot break through. Like you said, if it's like a, a basically a normal cheap door, steel freezer doors like... I've had trouble with in the past. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's more impressive. Uh, one is brains and one is brawn. You know, they're just different. <laughs> they're different skills and strategies. Have you ever smashed open a magic eight ball? I can't say that I have. It's really fun. Because <laughs> you get the little die out there. Um, and that's great. Um, I mean, I guess it kind of defeats the point of it, but... <laughs> You could just roll the dice, though, and I guess it's the exact same thing. It is! It's just a little less mysterious looking. Because it, it, when it has the, like, spooky, you know, like, uh, dark room mm -hmm. liquid and stuff, like... Yeah. Ooh. You feel like you're, like, looking into a crystal ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. 
You don't get that from Lonely and Dying. <laughs> no. Woo! Follow us on TikTok. <laughs> if you dare. There was a certain man in Russia long ago. He was big and strong. <laughs>